March 31st from all sorts of places. Women went birding, then added to Ebert's databases. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. We created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on birding topics. We are definitely not experts, and anything that we discuss that might be controversial, we want you to remember that there are our own opinions, and they might be different from yours. Am I pitchy? I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's very pitchy. But like the right pitch, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the correct pitch. Like it's, <laughs> it's real. It's deep into that correct pitch. Very, very into the... Like I really pitchy. committed. Yeah. yeah. Committed in the right way, I guess. Okay. <laughs> well, oh my gosh. It's uh, another COVID week yeah. right now. And from the news, it looks like we're probably going to be dealing with this for at least at least another two months maybe and then know. back again in the fall maybe i don't know well we're we're surviving we're we're persevering getting yeah onto our back deck and out in the sun when we can a little yeah. bit so. yeah and like we said in our last episode we don't want to talk about covid the whole time but it's there's, actually kind of relevant cha- there's a thousand channels on the news that you can be looking at about that well yeah but this whole episode is kind of relevant it is it is relevant yeah <laughs> um so uh yeah so we've been busy at the hotel and um you know doing stuff painting yeah we've repainted the entire second floor <laughs> from one end all the way to the other we did painted the entire a couple thing rooms uh, we have like added it's... shelves into three or four rooms now yeah We're... We're really trying to take advantage of not having people in the hotel. So one of the kind of cool things that we're going to do, my my parents have a house in the Portland area that they bought in like the 80s, I think like in 1980 or something like that. But it was an old farmhouse. It was built in like the 20s. And at one point in time, my dad um, took out the stairs because they were carpeted and he was putting in hardwood stairs. And so he has all these stair treads. Um, from the old set of stairs, which we figure are probably over a hundred years old. At, yeah, at least because the the original house was built in the twenties, and those those that stair tread had probably been sitting around for a little while before it got installed in the house. So it's the the wood has probably been sitting shaped as a stair tread for over a hundred years. So, anyways, we're gonna make bookshelves out of it. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's like a good ending place for that that wood. Nah, they can find somewhere else after the bookshelf. I think you, you think so. Yeah. We can use well, because all all I'm doing to it is sanding everything off of them, and then uh, putting a finish on them, and uh, staining them and putting a finish on them so they're nice, nice and smooth. And so you have the original the original grain from the wood that's like one inch thick stair treads, so they're big and thick shelves. And so when that's all done, we're gonna put yeah put the bookshelves on our wall. And then we're going to fill it full of our bird books so we, like, can, you know, separate out our bird books from all the other books. And I have a bird book from my great-grandmother. Gosh, it's over there. I don't know how old it is. It's, like, maybe from the 50s or 60s. I think we have one that's older than that, too, somewhere. Yeah, but that one's actually from my great-grandmother. That's true. So, super cool. So much history on that one shelf. And I'm sure you guys all have the same kind of story. But anyways, that's the thing I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> so um, I just got to get to sanding. Yeah, I've only I've only sanded one of them so far. Yeah, well, nine more to go. <laughs> so, anyways, that's kind of what's going on in our lives at the moment. Yeah, and um, 
We're drinking a couple beers today. Oh, yes. We're going to yes. keep talking about what kind of drinks we're drinking. Um, Eric, quick, why don't you tell us about yours first? Uh, so I'm drinking um, the Rogue uh, Bat Squatch. It's a hazy IPA. We got it in a big uh, case from Costco that was which, the Rogue Supply Drop case. Which we're not sure if that was like intentional because of COVID that it's a supply drop or if it was just like good timing. I, I have no idea. I've never seen it before until we went up to go shopping the other day at Costco. So. But we're usually not like, we'll treat ourselves to a big box of Rogue. <laughs> yeah, we don't, don't usually buy beer in that large quantities. Yeah. This is going to last us a while. <laughs> so it's good. It's very good, yeah. Yeah, it's a hazy IPA, so it's... It's, it's a very fruity IPA, which, like, the hazies are all generally pretty fruity. But it's it's really good. I like it. It's uh, not, not too hoppy. It's not too high alcohol content. It's not, like, bitter, hardcore bitter or anything like that. So I like it. And it's, it's out of Newport, Oregon. Newport, Oregon, yeah. Rogue, Rogue Brewery, which their headquarters is Newport. And then they have another brewery up here in Astoria. And there's one in Portland, I think. Maybe. They, they, have, they have a couple around Oregon. And what, what do you have? So I normally drink beer and uh, or wine, and what I have today is actually a hard cider, and this one was inspired because of the women in step, which we've gone on and on about with the champions of the flyway. Um, my team lead on that, or the team champ, team leader, um, mm-hmm. Ellen, she uh, said when we were doing like a conference chat at one point, she was like, "Do you know which beer you're gonna drink for the episode?" Um, in which you guys are going to talk about the Champions of the Flyway. And I was like, no, I hadn't even really thought about it. <laughs> and so I, like, we went to the store and I, like, scoured the shelves and I found this hard cider, which is by Schilling Hard Cider, which is out of Auburn, Washington. And they have this cider. I'm, like, holding it up so you can see it. Um, <laughs> yes, for all the viewers at home, for the it, non, non-video podcast. It's, it's called Grapefruit and Chill. And it says all the, over the top of it, let's flamingo. <laughs> and it has a flamingo on the front of it. Because that would could potentially have been a bird we might have seen in the Middle East when we yeah. were supposed to be going there. I guess not the Middle East, right? Israel. Whatever. Israel. Yeah. Israel. So anyways, this is, this is an honor of that. And if you watched our um, Facebook Live videos on March 31st, you would have seen me go on and on about it while Eric chased the light bulb around the beach. So you can still go back and watch that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun chasing the light bulb. <laughs> I <laughs> incidentally broke that light bulb like two days later. <laughs> Seriously, it was in the best, it's the best light bulb in terms of the least <laughs> amount of um, like sea life growing on it that we've ever found. It's It's one that washes like up. It's... From what I've heard, it is like squid fishermen use these red light bulbs mm-hmm. to attract squid to the the boat, and it's one of those that like washed up. So. Yeah, they they burn out, and then like a lot of people out there, instead of like throwing it into a depository for refuse, they throw it overboard. <laughs> a garbage can. <laughs> they just throw throw it overboard when it burns out. So. so then Eric can find it. So then we find it washed up on the beach. And then I break it and then <laughs> ends up in our garbage can. Yeah, we end up throwing it away. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so anyways, moving on. We, um, we had um, a few emails from listeners, um, one of which uh, Bob from the UK, he emailed us uh, twice. I've talked to him, a little bit of correspondence back and forth with him. Um, he noticed... That um, he was listening to our older um, episodes through Denmark. He's catch- catching up through them. And he was looking at some of the pictures that I posted. And he has a possible correction for my uh, uh, marsh tit. He thinks it may be a willow tit. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, um, I'm going to post it to iNaturalist as soon as we're done recording here. And then uh, 
or maybe I'll do it tomorrow. I don't know. I'll do it soon. I'll post a die naturalist. And then um, he's, he's going to try to consult with some of the people that he knows. Because I guess those two species are very difficult to separate out visually. I believe we figured it out through its call. But that was a while ago. I don't, I don't remember why, why I called it a marsh tit over a willow tit for that area. Because I, I know everywhere we went basically both showed up as um likely likely in the area so well and he was saying it was something about like some white around the yeah white white at the tip of the bill so i don't know it, and apparently that's like kind of a newer field mark that people are starting to recognize so yeah so so may, maybe i got a picture of a willow tit instead of a marsh tit so we'll we'll see yeah that'll, that'll be exciting to find out yeah so thank you bob for uh calling us out on that we appreciate yeah. it <laughs> yeah, call me out yeah i don't know what i'm doing nobody does <laughs> So, from our last episode that we talked uh, about something, I don't remember what it was. It was so long ago. Oh, it was Allison with the yeah. uh, iNaturalist and the the Community Nature, City Nature Challenge, City Nature Challenge which yeah. is actually coming up soon still. It's in a couple weeks. Um, the biggest listenership for that episode was <laughs> was a huge tie between like seven oh, five, places. Five or six way tie, what is it? I think it's seven. <laughs> seven, oh my gosh. Um, so... Thank you so much for you all to you all for tuning in. Uh, our tie was between Sierra Vista, Austin, Calgary, Chicago. That one Rochester. Rochester. Nobody corrected me on that. What's up with you all? Um, Portland and Warrington. Um, those last two in Oregon. So thank you all for tuning in. If you have a really weird town name and you want us to talk about it, make sure to get all of your friends in that town to download the episode. So then I have to, um, struggle, get on the struggle bus and try to pronounce it. So, um, one little last piece of bird news I want to talk about is mental health. I'm not an expert at all, um, in this at all. I've never really looked into mental health stuff or? I've never really thought about it like in a personal way until the last like two or three weeks so like we've gotten more and more on Twitter um, because apparently all bird podcasting is on Twitter <laughs> so we have to catch up um, but anyways there's been a lot of discussion on there about like trying to like what, what's the phrase um, keep up with the Wilsons. Is that the phrase? Keeping up with the Benjamins? I don't know. But, like, trying to catch up with your neighbors. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, You know, everybody, you see that everybody else is, like, doing all this cool stuff. And you're like, oh, I'm not doing anything cool. Like, I need to work harder. And I'm not good enough. And It, it can lead to a spiral. And, yeah, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> Which is a different scientific term. Yeah. <laughs> Economic. Know, there's a lot of different things um, there mixed together. <laughs> anyways, so... Like, there's been a lot of people, like, there, the whole thing was, I was looking at everybody was like, I'm making sourdough today, and everybody made sourdough, and then it's like, well, I don't really want to make sourdough, and, <laughs> and then I saw all these other people that were like, I'm not making sourdough, I'm failing at my life. Anyways, I, I personally, and, like, also, all the birding organizations have done their part, and, like, they put out all these articles about what you can do if you're, you know, stuck inside, and, you know, how you can get, you know, stuff to do. To, Occupy your time. Yeah, and get better at birding and all this stuff. But I'm a person that um, it makes me feel better when I'm helping others. And also when I'm organizing things that are broken. 
Um, Even if they're already organized, she likes to just fix. I like to make things better. <laughs> re- reorganize. <laughs> well, anyways, so we just like personal hoorays, I guess, um, that made me feel better about all the situations happening right now. We have a weekly meeting that is arranged in town of local business owners that we go to every Wednesday. I can't remember if we talked about it or not before. I think we've mentioned it once, but it's... It's just, it's a meeting that we just go to. It's, it's not a, it's not a formal meeting. Not it's like a, a coffee thing. Yeah. It's any, basically anyone in town's invited, but it's with a bigger focus on business owners in town to share news about what's going on in town. And again, our town is a town of 1800 people. It's really, it's pretty small. Like you have to like show your credibility everywhere, like before people will really pay attention to you. <laughs> I always have to drop my uncle's name so people know who I am in town. Um, but anyways, it's it's a small town, and so there's a whole lot of community here. And we have this Wednesday morning meeting that Eric and I have really enjoyed going to because we learn a lot and we, you know, are making connections with people. And um, and it's an it's an in person meeting that happens in, in one of the businesses that the business is currently closed right now because of COVID. Yeah. And then because it's in person, that also ixnays the whole thing because it's an in-person meeting. So we, we, the whole thing's basically been canceled. And so the last three meetings, I think, haven't occurred. Yeah. And so we felt really disconnected from like other people in town because we don't want to go see people, you know, and possibly like infect them if we're infected anyways. All that. So this morning, I or yesterday, I just got the bug to try to figure it out on Zoom. So we had a Zoom meeting this morning, and we actually had a pretty good turnout. We had 10 people show up, yeah. which normally, like in the in-person meeting, there's like 5 to 10. So that was amazing to have that It was that on many. the up, up, upper end of how many people usually show up. So that was like really encouraging to me. Everybody really enjoyed it too, which I thought was cool. Uh, but then at the end, somebody said like, oh, you know, the food pantry is getting more and more people coming and they just really can't keep up with the supply. Uh, so we went and I went through the cupboards and found all the stuff, you know, that we aren't going to use that people have like left like old cans. Well, not old, old. not old <laughs> the things that don't expire, like none can, of, cans of soup. None um, of it had expired. Cu- cu- cups, um, cup of noodles, like stuff like that. Th- things that we probably weren't going to use by the time they expired anyways. But people would yeah. definitely want. Yeah. Oh, it's good food. Chicken noodle soup, cup, cup of noodles, like yeah. macaronis. Like there was all so, sorts of good stuff. So we had that meeting and that spurred us on to um, donating. So that was like my own, my hooray today is that like I felt like I could actually help other people. And also organize the cabinets. Because now we have less stuff taking up space. It was more that we organized the meeting because nobody else is going to like take charge and do it. So that felt good that it's like, and then people were happy that it happened. So that's my thing. And the whole point in saying that is like, you know, there's little wins and I want to try to post that on Twitter every day. Like, what's your hooray for today? Because you don't have to like solve the, you don't have to create the vaccine or the, you know, the antiviral or anything for this, but just a little thing every day, you know, helps keep everybody positive and, and, you know, it could be birds, could not be birds, but I want to try to do that every day because that's mental health is important. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I like it. I'm glad you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> do you not have a hooray? Do you not have a I... thing that made you happy? Well, I, I liked that we weeded the garden today. Yeah. That was nice. That feels good. Yeah. Clear clear that out. Prune up the camellia that's out front that's kind of getting a little bit of ragged. 
so those days. that's that. Yeah. Go birding, but also, yeah, watch out for yourself. Yeah, so today we are going to be discussing the, the Champions of the Flyway, um, and also the first ever women World Women's Big Day that took place on March 31st, 2020. So as it was as a part of uh, solidarity for the Champions of the Flyway and the fact that that couldn't really occur in this yeah, normal, so, normal way. And we've talked about it in the past. Yes. In the past couple of episodes, I'm sure you're so sick of hearing about it, but the Champions of the Flyway, um, and you'll hear more about the background in just a minute, but it's a competition that takes place in Israel, and this year it was supposed to take place on March 31st. I was supposed to be part of the first women's international team to um, compete in it. We weren't able to, and so we decided... Let's invite all women to be a part of our team. And that was in conjunction with what the Champions of the Flyway ended up doing, which was creating a Champions of the Flyway celebration. So I know that's probably all like, really it's A whole bunch of information. But um, we reached out to Jonathan Mayrav, the director of international events for BirdLife Israel, who puts on, he's one of, one of many people that puts on this whole event. Um, and we asked if he could record a little bit of himself explaining what the whole thing is and what, how everything went down and all that stuff. And since we weren't able to get there in person to talk to him about all of this, we had him do it digitally, send us a recording, and he graciously accepted, and he, he sent, us, uh, sent us this. Hello, my name is Jonathan Mirav, and I'm the Director of Tourism and International Events for BirdLife Israel. I'm also the coordinator of the Champions of the Flyway Project. Champions of the Flyway is a unique bird race that takes place every year in late March, the peak of spring migration. The event happens in southern Israel, focusing around Eilat and the Negev Desert, where the spring migration is just amazing. But Champions of the Flyway is way more than just a bird race. Teams of birders don't just race around and enjoy the spectacular migration. Champions of the Flyway is first and foremost a fundraiser a fundraiser dealing with the threats that birds face along the migration routes. Every year, the Champions of the Flyway Committee meets with BirdLife International in the UK, and we discuss potential recipients for the project. What are these recipients? These recipients are capable organizations in countries where birds face serious threats. Over the years, we have supported projects in Georgia, Cyprus, Greece, Turkey, Serbia and Croatia. Last year, for the first time, we supported a project in Africa, in Kenya, to protect the vultures of the Rift Valley. And this year, in 2020, we had a very fascinating project uh, focusing on the protect, protection of steppe eagles in the steppes of Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, where the bulk of the steppe eagle population nests. Every year, Champions of the Flyway raises a significant amount of money for conservation. Every team that signs up for the race, be it international or Israeli, receives an online fundraising page. This page they share with their crowds and start to raise money. It's not only about raising the money. Of course, the bottom line is how much money the recipients receive every year and, what, and how they put it to good use on the ground. But more important than the money is spreading the word. The more people that re we reach every year, 
the more people realize how many serious threats birds face along the migration corridors. Over the years, we have raised close to half a million dollars for projects tackling the illegal killing of birds along the migration routes. 2020 was a very special year. Back in the summer, we chose uh, this project in Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan because steppe eagles with only about 40,000 adults left in the wild are slowly declining and are reaching that point where if something isn't done, uh, the population is seriously at risk. The steppe eagles that nest in the Asian steppes uh, nest low down on the ground because there are no trees in the area. They usually nest on these little uh, stone walls or high bushes, and in many cases right there on the ground in the middle of the grassland. As a result of this, a lot of the eagles uh, are hurt for various reasons. One of them is electrocutions of low-flying birds uh, colliding with power lines, not just the electrocutions themselves, but actual impact from the collision with the power lines, and also step fires. Locals uh, in uh, Kazakhstan tend to set fire to the steppe uh, grasses in order to clear areas for agriculture. Of course, this doesn't bode well for birds uh, that nest on the ground. So everything was in place in 2020, and then the COVID-19 virus came into our lives and shook this world in a way that uh, no one remembers in recent history. Of course, with the COVID-19, it was impossible to hold the bird race in its original version. We had a very nice number of teams from all over the world that sadly could not come and compete. We had an amazing number of teams from Israel, including unprecedented numbers of youth teams and all-female teams. A, a lot of youth teams from the world as well. Really, really uh, cool, and everyone was really looking forward to an incredible race here in Israel. But then, of course, everything changed. Uh, our first thought was uh, to cancel Champions of the Flyway. That was the easy thing to do. But as the days went by and a few people got their heads together thinking, we thought, you know what, why don't we make this uh, bunch of lemons into some very sweet conservation lemonade. And we decided about the Champions of the Flyway Solidarity Day of Birding. And on March 31st, Teams of birders from all over the world, virtual teams, of course, people had to keep their social distancing, but we had over 400 bird watchers worldwide participating in the Champions of the Flyway Day of Solidarity. This basically meant that everyone anywhere in the world went birding from their porches, in their backyards, within a designated area, whatever they could do with the restrictions in their home countries. We had birders from over 30 countries participate, which was just unbelievable. And it was a remarkable day. During March 31st, over 1,150 species of birds uh, were documented worldwide. 10% of the world's birds were documented from people's porches, backyards, and restricted areas, which is totally unbelievable. So as, as Jonathan said, everything... Um, everyone birding in solidarity with the COTF um, saw about 10% of all the bird species in a single day while everyone was on various levels of locked down. So some people just their yard, some people just their neighborhood, stuff like that. That's, that's a ton of bird species for people to see 
under these strict uh, restrictions that we have right now. And the women in step, I the whole global women's big day effort. Um, I along with the team coordinated that, and so that was kind of separate from Champions of the Flyway, but still connected. Um, and so we just pushed with everybody that was with that, you know, like make sure to follow your local restrictions and guidelines and everything, and keep in touch with that. Um, and also, you know, share with us throughout the day. So we'll talk about our adventure as part of it, but I was getting constant lists from people, which is amazing as well as, um, Facebook, you know, comments and like, Hannah's usually on her phone most of the day dealing with podcast stuff, Twitter and stuff like that. (laughs) I feel like such a jerk about it, (laughs) but that like the day we were birding, like it was, it was legitimately, we would get out of the car, we'd bird for 15 or 20 minutes and then the entire drive to the next spot, Hannah would just be glued to her phone as she's accepting lists and commenting and, and looking at tweets. And that was like literally a full-time job. <laughs> that, that, was, that was, yeah, you were super busy that day. Which is amazing and so encouraging. So anyways, um, yeah, so we were just trying to follow our restrictions while burning around. And that is basically with Oregon, it's stay home, save lives is the, um, the motto that they're the using, the campaign, I guess, that they're using in order to try to convince us to stay home and save lives. And so basically that is, in, in a nutshell, is you're only supposed to go outside for to, to leave your premises, your house or your apartment or whatever, for either supply runs, to go to your job if you're, an essential, if you're deemed an essential employee, or for minor outings for exercise. And so going out to go bird watching as long and, and the caveat with minor outings for exercise is to always maintain the physical separation of a minimum of six feet from anyone that you don't um, live with. So if you if you end up out on a trail hiking, you need to uh, either not be on the same trail as someone else or um, go go to the outside edges of the trail to maintain as much physical separation as possible from the other hikers that are out there. And so going on a responsible birding outing within our within our county and to places that aren't normally visited very often was pretty easy for us to maintain physical separation from everyone we didn't i, don't, I think we only ran we, we only saw one person birding well, basically we, the entire we went day burning with our friend beth yeah in, in and the morning and that was the only person we saw all day birding yeah that we even got remotely close to we were well well over 100 feet away from everyone else for the entire the entire day um, and that's despite, um, all of the public, um, state parks and county parks that are closed in, in our county, in our whole region, pretty much every park is closed. Yeah. So our big day was definitely modified because of that. Um, so we didn't get to go to all the places, like we didn't get to pick up Dipper or, um, some of the seabirds that we wanted to yeah. see. A, like a lot of big misses because of that, but, that's how we, it goes. but we got out and, and we were lucky in terms of our. Um, quote unquote lockdown situation compared to some other some other places around the world and some other people like even within the state if you live in the city limits of Portland and in city limits of Portland Oregon they're like it's it's difficult more difficult to find an area that you can go to in nature that there's not people so so anyways we're lucky in that 
So we started off the morning. It was pretty cold, so I was being a big wimp about it. Um, <laughs> I think like around seven thirty or so at the Cola Creek Reserve, and we had um, invited a couple of our friends out birding, like obviously not within six feet of us or you know a reasonable distance, but. Um, so we were trying to hit a couple spots at certain times when we were hoping to meet up with people. So we just stopped there for like a minute, got Stellar's Jig, Golden Crown Kinglets were in the trees, varied thrushes were calling, and American Robins, and then just headed out to the next spot. Yeah, and so the next spot we went to was, uh, the Caney Beach Settling Ponds. Like, we pretty much go there all the time. It's like, I think it's a quarter mile? Maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit more than a quarter mile away from our... From from the hotel. Can't keep us out of those sewage lagoons. Yeah, seriously. The sewage lagoons, we're there. But um, it's that's where we got most of our ducks for the day. We um, we, we did a Facebook Live there, which um, while, while we were on the Facebook Live, I think I think I mentioned the um, there's a really light-colored duck, and we were trying to figure it out. And it was a, it was a lesser scop, and it was a mostly leucistic lesser scop, which is kind of interesting out there. Like, I, I think out of all the birds I saw... That did. That was probably my favorite bird. <laughs> Just because it was so weird. It was like, this isn't a normal scop. Um, so then we, I mean, we had a bunch of those ducks and common mergansers, uh, both hummingbirds, annas, and rufus that we see in this area. We had a flyover, and then it landed in the pond of a double-crested cormorant, which was yeah, kind of bizarre. Like, as we were leaving is when, when it flew through. And a lot of forest birds that we picked up there, too, like uh, chestnut-backed chickadees and wrens and song sparrows. Yeah, and so from the from the settling ponds, we had to make a pit stop, uh, pit stop at the hotel. Go to the bathroom, get some more coffee. Uh, White Crown Sparrow. <laughs> and White, Cr- Sparrow. White Crown Sparrow here at the hotel, right at our feeder, and then uh, headed down to uh, um, Silver Point, which there wasn't wasn't really a lot going on down at Silver Point. I think the tide wasn't right for uh, for anything on the rock. I mean, a lot of goals. There's al- there's always piles of goals out there and this is just the time of year where things are starting to come in but um must have been you know the cold or something that we hadn't quite seen the the movement inward from a lot of seabirds um so then we headed on to haystack rock where we caught up with beth and we were really hoping to see puffins so tufted puffins are the species that nest on haystack rock and this is one of the best places in the country to see in the contiguous u.s to see tufted puffins like close up they, they, they fly right over your head 50 feet above you and they'll they'll be carrying food and sometimes they... you get slapped in the face from the the water dripping off their feet yeah so like it's uh we, we did an episode a couple uh, a couple episodes back um kind of preempting everyone that the puffins will be coming soon and so that's puffins they're that's what we were hoping and unfortunately they hadn't quite arrived by the 31st they came three days later though <laughs> yeah so they're there now but they, they weren't they weren't there for the for the big day but we did have harlequin ducks and black oyster catchers were there common murs are starting to come in so we did uh get all those as well as a bald eagle hanging out and plagic cormorants too yeah plagic cormorants they're they're, they're already setting up nests up there on the rock and it's it's the beginning of April, so we're 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 in we're in good shape. The MERS are up there right now, which is which is kind of exciting. Yeah, and we did do a Facebook live while we were there and took some videos of like the oyster catchers and things, and that's still on our Facebook page if you want to take a, a listen. I think it was like twenty minutes, so you don't it gotta was, listen to, you don't have to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, you, you can skip around. It's kind of it's kind of a long video. It was we were we were having fun out there. We've never Facebook live before, so that was these were our first couple of videos. Yeah. I thought it was fun. If we have more. <laughs> um 
And we had some really good engagement, too. People were asking us about the scope and the tripod. Yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, so then we went on and... One more pit stop at the hotel to get some more coffee and go to the bathroom again. Yep. And then, (laughs) um, headed towards Seaside, which is the city north of us, um, and had some turkey vultures flying over. So we had to make a quick driving list to get those turkey vultures because that's really like first of season for those guys. Yeah. Because they're they're just showing up. Like, they're they're showing up at pretty high numbers now, but it's... on, On the coast, we're like... At least a week, if not two weeks, behind the um, the Portland, the Willamette Valley, in terms of migration. So they see things, and I'm watching on Facebook. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So in about a week, we can be expecting to see these guys out here. So it's it's kind of like kind of good to like pay attention to them back there in the valley. Um, so we headed off to the Seaside Cove, which uh, is one of our regular haunts. Um, it's a good place for turnstones and surfbirds, and a lot of surfers hang out there because it of the way that the water hits the headland there, mm-hmm. but it was just dumping when we got there. So we kind of peeked at things through the windshield. I, I hopped out to get real wet. I, uh, I walked over to the edge and then I had to call Hannah over cause I had to find, find the birds real quick. So we didn't stand out in the rain, but I, um, saw, we, we found the surf birds and the black turnstones. I was hoping to find a rock sandpiper or we're always hoping for that. We're always hoping for that or, or something a little bit more exciting, but there's, there's always pretty much always black turnstones and surf birds there. So it was just hop out, find them real quick and then call Hannah over so we can look at them together <laughs> and then hurry up and get back in the car out of the rain. Um, and because it was raining, we were like, we don't want to miss out on seaside. So we headed to the sewage ponds or the wastewater plant that, flows into the ocean. I don't know the best way to say it. It's adjacent to a river that goes into the ocean. Yeah. Well, it's 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 right there at the end of the um, Mechanicum River. Yeah. So anyways, um, we got there and like right when we arrived, the rain had stopped, which was fantastic. But then Great the, timing. But then the smell of the wastewater treatment like just kicked up and it was horrible. The um, wind was not going the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a good place to oversee the estuary. And we didn't get really anything new except for ruby crown kinglet and house finches. But, um... And I left my camera in the car, which is almost always a guarantee that you're going to get really close looks in really good light. And that's exactly what we had of the kinglets and the house finches. They oh, were yeah, they were right super there. super close and super, like, like bright and vibrant in, the, in good light and very cooperative in terms of photographic. But camera was in the car. So, yeah, no pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's an eagle there and uh, crows and gulls and yeah. So nothing super cool other than those little guys that we didn't expect at all. <laughs> but so so there, there was also a guy out there with a dog, which I thought he, he was the way he was walking towards us was like, I don't know if Hannah saw him, but it was he was like really weird. And <laughs> wow, judgy. Well, he was I, really weird. I didn't see I didn't see his dogs at first, and so he's like walking, and he keeps like looking around and like like shifty, like looking looking <laughs> around and everything, and then like we we go down the trail a little ways, and then he goes straight out onto the estuary, like into the beach in the estuary, and as soon as he gets down to the bottom of the hill, his dogs jump down, and it's like oh he's just walking his dog, so he's keeping an eye on his dogs, but he's like the whole time he's like shifty and like looking back and forth and like like walking slow and like. It was, it was a little weird, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, it's okay. He has dogs. <laughs> That's why he's being shifty, because he's trying to keep track of his dogs. Okay. Yeah. But I thought it was weird. 
So then we went up the estuary a little bit further um, along the highway just for a brief stop because we usually see like buffle heads in um, this I, I've one been, spot. I've been seeing um, hooded mergansers every time we drive by. So that, that's really what I was hoping for. Like we'd already seen buffle heads, but I was like, oh, if we can get hooded merganser here, then we don't have to worry about it the rest of the day. <laughs> um, so anyways, we're like, just, you know, hanging out in this parking lot looking at the river. And then we see like these... we thought there were nutria just like walking up the side channel which the water was just pouring out of it so i was like surprised they could walk up it and eric took a couple pictures because we we're like yeah whatever nutria nutria whatever I, I don't have pictures of nutria on iNaturalist so i figured i'd just put some pictures so he puts the pictures on iNaturalist and everybody's like those are beavers <laughs> i was i was so weirded out because this is this is basically salt water that these guys are hanging out in yeah. i've never seen beavers in salt water it's also it was a pretty fast flowing like area yeah and, and I've, I've never seen beavers in the county too i mean there's tons of beavers in the county but i've seen beavers in the county i've never seen them here in the county and then also i've never I've, like i said i've never seen them in salt water so that was that, that whole thing was weird and so then a bunch of people commented on, on iNaturalist like i think this is actually a beaver and then they gave me a whole bunch of pointers which was really nice to the eye placement on how far back it is from the nostril for and like ears we and, could have told but yeah. like we just totally wrote it off as oh, yeah. like a nutria because we were like uh you know this is, seems more nutria like than a beaver oh yeah it's nutria like habitat and behavior like it wasn't like it was, and there it was, are a couple of them like usually you don't I, I haven't I, really seen that many beavers together. Exactly. Like, as there was two of them. They were in a flat, fast-flowing water there. Yeah. They were right next to the highway, like, in the middle of the city. So it's like, all, all of this pointed me to think Nutria. And so then I just didn't. I was like, whatever, Nutria. So we need to look harder next pic- time. Pic- pictures are important, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> be able to shove me back down in my place. I don't know what I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> um, so then our next major stop was up at the Hammond Boat Basin, which can be a really good spot up in, like, it. I mean, you're looking at the um, Columbia River over across to Washington, and it's a really good spot in the summer for elegant turns mm-hmm. and Caspian turns and cormorants like crazy. It's one of my favorite places to go and it's a, a good place too for like Hearman's goals but like not like in the ocean where lots going on but Hearman goals just like hanging out yes yeah. well because they'll be attacking like the pelicans and stuff that are hanging out on the piling yeah but there's also just piling so they can just like stand there rather yeah. than you know flying around yeah well in in this section of the river it's the se- this section of the river it's like three miles wide right here so it's like like the curvature of the river you it's it's far enough away <laughs> that you can see the curvature of water like it's the the river is gigantic right here it's a it's a lot of water and it's it's kind of interesting to just stand there even even if you're not there to look at birds just to stand there and watch the river just how giant this river is and that it flows all day every day just flying by it's it's interesting um, there wasn't too much there. It was kind we of disappointing. We did get the hooded merganser, though. We did, yeah. That I was hoping for down by the beavers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, granted, we're not probably not going to get, like, a whole lot of turns right now because it's not that time of the season yet. Uh, but it was really slow. But we did, yeah, so we, like, checked out the river. There was, like, hardly anything. And then we went over to where the boat basin is, which isn't, you know, very far at all from there. Um, but you just have to drive a little bit. And we went to this one like dock and there was a huge ground squirrel like i've never seen a ground squirrel 
Oregon. No, I've just never seen a big one. In it, it was it was like the size of a cat. Like it was huge. And it wasn't moving. So I thought it was like a statue. <laughs> I, I thought it was like, um, you know, like a memorial statue for like a child that drowned or something like oh that. Gosh. I was like, we're going to walk up to it and there's going to be a plaque it's there. It's going to be so sad. But it was giant. And we sat and looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. And then finally it like. It's like it was perched up. It had its hands up in like the squirrel posture with, its, but like, but it's like staring at us. It like flinched, and so it's like, oh, okay, it's live. So we like kind of walked over and thinking it, we were gonna scare it away, and it like wouldn't move. I it didn't move until I got my camera out because I was like, oh, I'll get a picture for a naturalist, and no, you know that figures that happens. So the hood and mergansers were hanging out right there, um, and yeah, that was kind of it for that area. So yeah. we headed off to Astoria, the large and, city in our county. Yeah, and then we were able to on the on route. We were able to pick up a couple a couple species. We got this the California scrub jay that was hanging out on the wire, which oh, yeah. we hadn't had a scrub jay yet until then, basically. And we had um, killdeer and a great blue heron fly over. Yeah, fly right over the top of the road. Yeah, so, it was so like these random birds list. that are like generally easy. We're we're looking at like uh, what time was that? That was like. That was like 11 o'clock or noon. It was like, yeah, noon, maybe. Yeah, and be- before we're getting these birds that are usually pretty easy to get, but it was a, it was a kind of slow bird day. But it was the weather was fantastic, though. And when, it, when it was nice, and then it would drop off to rain, and then it would go super nice and sunny and warm, and then rain. <laughs> so we didn't really have, like, a whole lot of idea what we wanted to do after that. Um, so we were like, oh, let's, you know, kind of go further inland. But we stopped and got lunch at Burger King as... One does. There's um, only like a few restaurants open. Well, and we didn't want to as, have to like call and like eat in, in the car. Yeah. Well, we still ate in the car. <laughs> we did. But it was fun because we parked over by Rogue and we got to hear the sea lions. So that was fun. I always enjoyed doing that. Yeah. And then and we. Burger King. Had, so they're doing this weird, weird thing that I don't know if I completely agree with. But so that instead of you handing them your credit card. They have you set your card on a tray, like at the drive-thru, and then they grab it off the tray, which I don't know if how that's any cost, better. Any better because it's there. There, there's a half a second difference between you, me setting it down and them picking it up. I don't know. So I, I don't understand how that's any different. And they're wearing gloves the whole time too. So I don't. But it, it was it, it added a whole extra element to like him trying to coordinate handing this tray out of the window to. And then handing the tray out with the food on it. Like, I've never had anybody hand me the tray, but there's places I've been in, like, Europe, where you're supposed to put the money or your credit card on a tray, yeah. and then they pick it up off the tray. So, I wonder if they're, like, thinking about that. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. It, it was different. It was the first time that I've ever experienced that here in the States, where you don't hand it directly to someone. So, anyways, yeah. we went on to Svensson Island, which is, like, 10 miles um, up the river from Astoria and still in the still in our county still in Clatsop County and I don't know if we've talked about it before but it's just kind of a bizarre little community it's like off the highway on the river and there's a bunch of houseboats um like the cutest little houseboats like pretty run down yeah but really like tiny little cute things like an a-frame one um it's like called Svensson Island and I think there's like six residents yeah, probably on this entire only. island. I I don't. Really, and they're all houseboats. I don't really get it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. There's probably someone that knows a lot more about this place than we do. I'm yeah. sure because there, there's a a group of uh, Lower Columbia River Basin birders 
that are that go out birding um, once a month on the set, same. Anyways, they they go birding like once a month out there, and they go they go out there, and that's one of their stops. They stop at every single month. But it's so, so they know good. All about it. Like we had a ton of oh cinnamon teals. Like great looks at cinnamon teals. Probably the best I've ever had. Like gadwalls, American widgeons, uh, pintails, green wing teal. That's where we got the green wings. Yeah. And then just tons and tons of greater yellow legs. Oh my like gosh. Like every 10 feet, there was another greater yellow legs. And I thought I had a lesser. And I t- I, one of the pictures I had, I thought was a lesser because its bill looked different. It looked shorter. So I was like, oh, well, this is probably. But then I posted it at Naturalist. And of course, it's, it's another greater. So. Just a ton of greater yellow legs. And a bunch of dowichers, long-billed dowichers. Oh, yeah, there, there was, and there was, uh, there was just, like, they were feeding, and it was just, it was fun to watch them with the, um, the sewing machine, like, as they race across back and forth. And finally got our belted kingfisher. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's this belted kingfisher that's on our way to Astoria that we only ever see when we're headed south. <laughs> like, every time we're headed north, like, it's on a wire. It doesn't like, matter what time of day we head north. It's never there when we go north. It's on a telephone wire that's right next to the highway, like, over a pond. And every single time we head north, it is not there. But every single time we head south, it's there. I don't know. It does, And it doesn't matter. So, like, if, if we go up north... At noon, it's not there. But if we are going south at noon, it's there. It's, but it's not like we're missing it because we're going a different direction. No, it's because it's right. It's right there on the highway, and it's it's weird. It, it knows that we're going south, so it doesn't. It just flies away. Yeah, I'm sure for, it's all about second. us. I'm sure. The <laughs> so, birds care about us. Okay, so then we were like, okay, let's just make one last stop before heading back. So we headed off to Wireless Road, which is an Astoria kind of in the farming area. And it's a really good spot for sparrows. We've had a couple of like, rare sparrows that have popped up there. So we're like, okay, let's give that a try. But really, the only thing we ended up getting was um, cowbirds and brewer's blackbirds. Yeah, that was that was the only thing new there. But we were, we were hoping for some other stuff. But it was getting late. So... And I was, like, since I was the one tallying all the, the lists that people were sending in to me from around the world, I was able to look at, like, what the missing species were, the target species in our county. So Because no to, one was birding in our region so of like, the world. So, like, tundra swan was one that was missing, and I knew they had been seen at Wireless Road, like, in the last month. So we were like, <laughs> okay, let's go there and try to get that. So I was doing some, like, MacGyvering to figure out species. See, see, see targets that we could possibly get to add to the women, women and stuff. Uh, burning yeah but just like tons of sightings flowing in all day long from around the world and like messages from people it was an incredible day it was probably like one of my favorite days and just like so needed during this confusing time yeah so we we ended up um, with a total of 66 species which that's pretty good effort for our area it's, it's, it's good for our area and we on, on a better birding day, like in better, like a little bit later in the season, like like today. When we could get puffins. <laughs> when we could get puffins. Like, like if, if we were to go out today, we'd probably end up with like somewhere around the 70 region. Eight days 80, later. Maybe. Yeah. It's, we just barely missed it. But, Stupid migration. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just different every day. You, you go out every day and something's different, which is something that we've definitely been noticing with our, uh, our significant restrictions that we're birding very heavily in at just the hotel pretty much 
But we've also never done like a Clatsop County big big day. That's true. So, we haven't ever done that. So that was fun. And there's a lot of places that we missed. And we could have gone hiking up Boneyard Ridge like we did with Susan last year for oh, the yeah. mountain quail. But we figured like that wasn't really practical because, you know, it takes so much time to get there. And then we might miss other species. So it's all the fun of planning a big day and trying to like leverage what you're going to see versus how long it's going to take. Yeah. It's time management. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, I'm not good at it. I'm just saying that's all it is. I just like to do it again in like a couple of weeks and see how it does, how it goes. Yeah, as, as long as they don't increase our restrictions. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So all in all, on March 31st, which was the Global Women's Big Day and <laughs> the Champions of the Flyway celebration. Um, so the Global Women's Big Day, our totals were on that day. There were 120 women around the world they represented 13 countries and 25 different United States that saw a total of 687 bird species that were submitted to us on 262 checklists. So an amazing, amazing accomplishment. That's, um, a, that's a ton of birds given all of our restrictions that everyone had. Well, and we really didn't even have that much time to like get the word out. No, it was you had like a week. I think maybe I think fourteen days. For two, see, two two weeks to be able to get the word out to that we were doing. Everyone this. do this, and, and you're able to get six hundred eighty seven species out of that. And because of this and all the effort that um, the women and step team put together, we ended up raising fifteen thousand five hundred dollars to protect and support the step eagle and their their breeding range. It's fantastic so, for BirdLife International. So thank you all. And we're going to throw it back to Jonathan to, um, to kind of sum some of this up. Every year during Champions of the Flyway, we give a few awards. Uh, the Champions of the Flyway Award for the team that sees the most species was not really relevant this year, so we skipped it. But we do give two more very important awards. One is the Guardians of the Flyway. Guardians of the Flyway is the award given to the team that raises the most money towards the conservation cause. This year... The winners of the Guardians of the Flyaway were the amazing Kawa a Women in Step team, a, a team of birders a, from Israel and the U.S., all female, just an incredible bunch of ladies that did a remarkable job raising over $15,500 for the project of Step Eagles in Kazakhstan. So hats off to you ladies. Unbelievable achievement. Over a third of all the money raised by all the teams collectively. The second award we give out is called Knights of the Flyway. Knights of the Flyway, named after Bill Thompson III, the BT3 Knights of the Flyway Award, is given to the team that does most to promote the project in the months preceding the race, during the race, and helping out other teams. This award this year, also given uh, to the COA Women in Step. Women in Step took the bull by the horns and did were very, very creative, spreading the word, talking to thousands of people, creating very, very cool merchandise, just promoting the message far and wide. So Women in Step this year uh, took a double whammy, two uh, awards, both Guardians of the Flyway and the BT3 Knights, or in this case, the Dames of the Flyway. So hats off to you ladies, you did a remarkable job. And I'll finish off uh, with words towards the future. Uh, Champions of the Flyway 2021 
is already uh, on our minds. We're going to start preparing very, very soon. We wish and hope and know that the race will return to Israel in late March 2021. There will also be a new cool virtual element to the race. We're thinking about it. Uh, we'll lock it down soon. But the bottom line is that when life goes back to normal, uh, just like nature, birds continue to migrate, nature finds a way, and Champions of the Flyway and the family uh, will get together once again in March 2021. So stay posted uh, for news about the next Champions of the Flyway. And really, a huge shout out to the Kawa women in step and to all the teams that participated this year, put in an amazing effort, raising over $42,000 a four-step eagles in Kazakhstan. This is what it's all about. Go champions. So I want to say thank you so much to Jonathan for like going like above and beyond like well, the normal putting, call of duty and, and doing this for us. And like, doing the competition oh and, gosh, yeah. and everything. And we know it was such a hard decision and like it was forced upon you to have to uh, modify it to the way it was this year. And I'm, I'm so glad that you guys like they were able to modify this in such a way that it was still able to happen. Like it to some extent, like this bird birding in solidarity around the world for the champions of the flyway. And we were open able to open it up to more people, yeah. which I mean, is just so meaningful, especially with everything that's going on in the world right now. Yeah. We can get the word out and get everyone doing the same thing on the same day together. And in spirit of that solidarity, we asked a number of other people to submit um, brief little segments. Uh, so we'll throw it to those in just a minute. But, um, it, you know, this is all just a really big collaborative effort. And I'm so thankful to everybody that submitted a little snippet for us for our show and, um, you know, talked about their experience. And I did get an email from somebody that I wanted to read real quick. It's from Jackie from Maryland. She said, Hi, Hannah. Thank you for helping organize the Global Women's Big Day. This was my first time participating in a big day, and it meant a lot to be part, be a part of an international team of women all working towards the same goal. I love the Facebook Live updates you did throughout <laughs> the day, which kept the excitement going. I can't wait to do this again on a day when I'm able to travel more, I hope. And also, I saw my first red-headed woodpecker. I've been looking for months, and that's a lifer as a souvenir for this event. So thank you for sending that to me, and thank you all to um, for you know putting your your little spin on this day. Yeah, and for participating and sending us lists and... It was so interacting cool. <laughs> and all that stuff. So, so we received. Um, we'll, we'll you'll you'll we'll hear them all. We won't have any commentary for them because they they all stand for themselves, speak for themselves. But we had people from around the world send us recordings day of or the day after that their their experiences out there in the field birding. So let's uh, let's hear from from some women around the world. Hi. I'm Lizzie Bruce. Now for the Global Women's Big Day and Champions of the Flyway celebration, I was able to bird my local patch in North Norfolk, England. Now in England, we're permitted one daily form of exercise from our house. So this allowed me to cover a three kilometre radius, taking me across farmland to the coast and through the local villages with mature trees. I had a name for 70 species and was quite surprised to record 84. Now spring migrants have only just started to trickle into the UK, so my list was more like a winter's day birding with tufted duck, widgeon, brent geese uh, and a lone pink-footed goose. It was also a really nice day, so there were lots of common buzzers, marsh harries and red kites displaying. 
Now, in the UK, there are not that many women birders, so it was important for me to take part to raise the profile of birding for women in the UK, but to also show support to women birders across the world. And it was also important to show solidarity to the Flyway family, who have overcome adversity to still raise, hit the fundraising goal of $40,000 to save the steppe eagle. Hey there, this is Sophie Jacquier from the Sempar Snowfinches in Switzerland. I participated in this year's Global Women Big Day and Champions of the Flyway from Switzerland out of solidarity. I think solidarity is very important for women in the birding scene and solidarity is also very important in conservation. And Champions of the Flyway is doing a great job in this regard, raising money and awareness this year for steppe eagles in Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. And I'm really proud and happy uh, that I've participated in this in some way. So I was birding uh, around my house in Switzerland near Lucerne. I saw about 60 species that day. It was a very calm day. But I saw uh, one of my favorite species, the Gargani. I love Garganis, they're beautiful and I don't see them so often here. They don't breed um, in in the area, they are stop stopover birds. I also want to congratulate uh, Women in Step for the great job they did uh, raising money and, and spreading a lot of awareness um, for step eagles. They, they're doing a really great job, they're really active and, and really good and I'm really proud that um, we have such great women birders around the world. Thank you. Hi, my name is Yannicka Chick. I am from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. I live on the southern tip of Vancouver Island and I birded for women in step on a hill right near where I live that is a great place for birds. Right now around me you can hear Oregon juncos, spotted towhees, Buick's wrens, American robins, chestnut-backed chickadees, and likely some other birds too. I think my favorite bird of the day when I birded for women in step was the Stellar's Jay. I wasn't expecting to find it here. It's not a bird that you often find in town. So when I first heard it, I thought, I know what that is, but I can't recognize it because it wasn't where I expected it to be. I was really thrilled to step up and help women around the world birding on that day, because I think it's a fantastic, fantastic thing to get more women out there birding and supporting each other. Birding is a fabulous pastime. Hi, my name is Tair. I went birding from my balcony in Israel. The opportunity to take part with women in step and help to raise the awareness of so important thing, meaning so much to me. I feel very lucky that in the same day of take part of Women in Step, I saw for the first time three awesome step eagle. I hope that the awareness will raise and we all save nature and the birds. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Women in Step. This is Anat Gal from Tel Aviv, Israel. Firstly, I would like to congratulate you girls for everything that you've done for the Champions of the Flyway race. You did an incredible job and won two prizes for that, that you well deserve. So great, great applause for you, firstly. 
Um, I spent this global women's big day at home, according to regulations. Instead of being in a lot in the desert and seeing the great migration that I was really waiting for, um, I spent it here at home in Tel Aviv. Luckily, I have a balcony so I could go outside and meet the local birds, such as um, Palestine sunbird, uh, spectacled bulbuls, common swifts, laughing doves, house sparrows, um, hooded crows. These were the main figures, the main species in my patch, as I couldn't leave the house too much, according to regulations. Um, so if I'm thinking about what everyone is uh, saying about making a lemonade out of the lemons, the idea of making a first big day for women birders around the world uh, was just outstanding. And even though I couldn't leave the house and go birding the way I intended in this fabulous time of year, um, I think just knowing that other birders around the globe are facing the same situation, having to deal with the same problem, couldn't go birding exactly the way they intended in their part of the globe, I think this was um, a, a comforting thing to know. And also very empowering that each one of us went birding in their own patch, recorded, recorded whatever they could, uh, whatever they could find. Um, so I spent the birding day at home thinking about all other birders doing the same in their home patch according to each place regulations. Um, so it really meant a lot knowing that everyone is doing something very similar. Uh, my favorite bird of the day would have to be a pair of spectacled bulbuls that live nearby. Uh, having spent the entire day at home allowed me to see them come to this uh, small water bowl I keep in my balcony. Uh, so they came here like uh, they were going to the country club, taking a shower, drinking, uh, sing while they shower and drink. And hopefully by the end of this breeding season, they'll be bringing the entire family to my country club for drinking and showering. Um, so thank you, Women in Step, for this opportunity. This was an excellent day and great applause to you. And go champions! It's Susie here from the Casual Birder podcast. Um, just saying that I carried out the Global Women's Big Day on the 31st of March. I was only able to get out for a couple of hours in the afternoon. I saw 16 species and that was just walking around the streets where I live in Basingstoke in Hampshire which is in southern England. And the sorts of birds that I saw were very much the kind of suburban housing estate birds like magpies, wood pigeons, rooks, house sparrows. I saw a couple of birds of prey. There was a red kite and buzzard. Um, blue tits, great tit, robin, dunnock. Um, uh, but my bird that I was really pleased to see was uh, my first chiff chaff of the year, which I both saw and heard, which is a small warbler uh, migratory. Some of them do overwinter here in the UK, um, but this was the first one I'd seen or heard this year. Um, it was fantastic knowing that I was taking part in a team of women birders from all over the world that were birding on that day, all in support of Champions of the Flyway for the Step Eagle this year. And um, 
wonderful to have connected through Hannah uh, to so many women birders. So thank you, Hannah. Thanks a lot. Hi, everyone. My name is Alan Casal. I'm the leader of the group Women in Step. And we are birding today as part of the Champions of the Flyway Celebration and Solidarity Day. I'm here at the Jerusalem Bird Observatory in Israel. I've been birding here since dawn, seen a nice group of birds, and really excited to be joining with all the women of the Global Big Day and all the people racing with Champions of the Flyway today. My favorite bird today that I've seen has been the hawfinch. We've had several on site. There's a really nice migration. Go champions. So thank thank all all of all of you guys. Like all for participating, for sending us Just thank to, you for everything. Seriously. That that was that was awesome. And that was that was a really fun day, a good day despite what's going on in the world and we were able to like just forget all about it for at least one day or forget mostly about it for at least one day and just enjoy birds. So, yeah. So thank you all for everything and always. And yeah. So, and of course, for listening to yeah, our podcast. for listening to us talk about it. <laughs> um, we hope you enjoyed it and learned something. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podchaser. If you do it in the next couple of days, they're going to give 25 cents per review to Meals on Wheels. And then if we oh, respond, fantastic. then they'll double that. So we'll definitely respond if you do that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, if you'd like to connect with us on the socials, please follow us at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. On our Facebook page, Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Our Twitter is at WeGoBirding. Or email us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. And you can find all this information as well on our website, which is GoBirdingPodcast.com. Um, tell us what you think, share us with your friends, stay healthy and, um, bird however you can.